This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. It's time now to turn our attention to the United States. Yes, indeed. The U.S. recently announced its third authorization for weapons shipment to Ukraine. We'll be taking a look at the role that it can play in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Uh, And surprise, surprise, former U.S. President Donald Trump has condemned Russia's invasion of Ukraine as appalling. Well, that seems to be a different stance from his previous one. All right. We'll be exploring the reasons for that as well and the consequences. And outside of Russia and Ukraine, U.S. President Joe Biden has picked Ketanji Brown-Jackson as the U.S. Supreme Court nominee. This is historic. She's the first black woman in this position. All right, let's catch up with Steve Oaken, Senior Advisor, McLarty Associates. Steve, good morning. How are you, man? Oh, trying to keep up with the Torrington news, but going okay. Yeah, there's, there's just so many aspects of this, right? Let's start off from Friday, last Friday, where U.S. President Joe Biden instructed the U.S. State Department to release up to an additional $350 million U.S. million worth of weapons from U.S. stocks to Ukraine as it struggles to repulse a Russian invasion. Okay, the, the, the weapons are being released, but what about, what about troops then? When or where is the intervention going to happen? Well, if you're certainly talking about American troops, you have to ask yourself, when is the time for a direct military confrontation mm. between two nuclear powers? Yeah, yeah. Because if that occurs, how, the situation now is horrific. You could get to annihilation. Mm. And so you want to try and, and get Putin to pull out of Ukraine, stop the invasion, stop arguably the war crimes that, that he and others are now committing. And bringing the Europeans and the Americans and the Japanese and the Australians and others together and and going after uh, Russia with sanctions that have never been seen before can hopefully do what needs to get done without raising the risk of a nuclear war. Do you think that is a wise expectation to have? Or will this at some point require boots on the ground, something that we know Washington is not willing to do? Well, it's, it's certainly not willing to do it right now, and, and neither is anybody else in NATO. I mean, I think the the question is, what is going to happen within Russia? What is going to happen with the Russian troops who are now attacking, you know, their their, their brothers and sisters in Ukraine? What's going to happen with the Russian people? What's going to happen with the, the, the economy of Russia as it gets locked up? So let's see if the change can't come from within Russia first. That seems to be what NATO and Biden and others are doing as a start. And in hopefully with the incredible courage and the, and the heroic efforts you're seeing from President Zelensky and others in Ukraine, that will stop Russia from this invasion. But then there is the case of ego or resolve. And I just don't know how to question that when it comes to Vladimir Putin. But let's talk a little bit about those uh, sanctions, uh, Steve. Um, So you've got the European Union, the United States and a couple other Western partners. They've announced these further sanctions on Russia. One of it is cutting off a number of Russian banks from this system called SWIFT, short for uh, Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication. I've I've used this when I've worked with uh, some partners in France quite troublesome but what kind of effect will this have when you know just freezing russia out of swift well what the europeans did not want to do this or many in, in in the european union did not want to do this but when president Zelensky called a meeting of the european officials and said this is the last time you may ever see me alive 
and we in Ukraine are defending European ideals. That is what turned the European Union into into locking Russia basically out of the financial system. Mm. And so if Russia can't get access to capital, if it can't spend its foreign reserves, then its whole economy can lock up. And so this is a, a huge move that will hopefully deter Russia from from continuing this this war of aggression against Ukraine. The fact is, though, there will be economic blowback, won't there? There will also result in inflation being exacerbated, in turn resulting in domestic political blowback for these other economies that are imposing these sanctions. What do you make of that? I mean, how do you think they might approach this moving forward, considering that they stand to lose as well? The leaders of Europe, the the leaders of the United States have to say, look, we can't do this for free. It's not it's going to we can't just deter Russia at no cost to ourselves. So, yeah, this is going to come at a cost to us because you're going to have, you know, raising of fuel prices. You're going to have a raising of commodity prices. When you do all of that, that is going to when you raise fuel prices, that raises the price of basically everything because everything has to get, get the logistics and the prices go up. So, yeah, but it's going it is worth it. It is worth the pain that we're going to feel economically because we have to defend the system that has been in place since World War Two, which has more or less kept the peace, certainly in Europe until now. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A.W.E.D.I.O. Like us and rate us. And now back to our podcast episode. Former U.S. President Donald Trump condemning Russia's invasion of Ukraine, saying he was praying for Ukrainians. Okay, but your first reaction naturally was, wait a minute, isn't this the guy who would say that Putin was his BFF? What is going on here? Why the change of tone? Although, I must say, it's, it's good that he's condemned it. Well, I mean, remember, this is the guy, President Trump, who blackmailed Zelensky with $400 million of needed weaponry to try and get him to say Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were criminals. So this is there's no credibility that Donald Trump has on Ukraine whatsoever, no credibility on on Putin and Russia. But you see that he is losing the support of Republicans who were saying initially, why do we care about what happens in Ukraine? Why do we care about what happens on the Russia-Ukraine border? We should be more focused on the U.S.-Mexico border. Well, now the Republicans are moving away from Donald Trump, and and Donald Trump is marching in a parade where he's the leader and no one's following him. This is just naked politics. He wants to run, presumably, for president again in 2024, and he can't be an outlier on this. But he's still not walking it back that much because he's still saying how smart Putin is. I had to switch off my mic. As I reacted to your entire answer, Steve, you know my stance. I did say analyzing Donald Trump's comments on anything is futile, so perhaps we should leave it at that. Yeah? There is something else that perhaps we should explore. The U.S. Supreme Court is about to hear an environmental regulation case, and this could have far-reaching implications for the Biden administration's fight against climate change. Talk to us about this case. What's at stake here? This case is huge, and it is beyond, I'll use a Donald Trump word, and it is beyond uh, just the environment. 
basically in the U.S. system, the Congress passes a law, but the exercise of that law is done through the regulatory agencies. You know, where I used to work at the Department of Transportation, we would we would issue regulations on businesses when it came to fuel mileage, to safety, to the environment on highways. And so this case is where the Supreme Court is questioning how much authority the Environmental Protection Agency has on its own when it comes to implementing the Clean Air Act. The Congress passes the law, the Clean Air Act, and then it's the EPA which then implements it. And West Virginia is saying EPA can't implement it. It's going too far. And if you can't implement the regulations, then you can't control the environment through the executive branch in a way. Steve, let's uh, talk a little bit about something a little bit more positive, I hope. Last Friday, Democrats were promising a swift confirmation process for Judge Kentanji Brown-Jackson. This would be uh, Joe Biden's pick for, what, the first black woman to be nominated for the post? Uh, what can you tell us about this? Anyway, this would be phenomenal. Good. We get, we get to close on a good news story. Right? Yeah. Mm. She, will be, she will be the first black female justice in the history of the United States. She will be the first justice in decades with experience representing criminal defendants. She will be the first justice ever who is a federal public defender. And the Supreme Court needs lawyers and people with this life experience as they hear cases about criminal laws. They hear cases about defendant rights. And so she brings a life experience that has never been on the court. And it is so great that the president nominated someone like her. The right right kind of empathy in that sense. For sure. And I think this was a long time coming. It's long overdue, actually. But what do you make of the muted statements from many Republicans on this issue? Well, she's going to get confirmed. So if you're going to oppose her, and some people will oppose her, but if you're going to oppose her, it, one, it's, it's, it's futile. Two, you, how, what are you going to oppose her on? That she's not educated? She went to Harvard you know, for college and law school. You're going to say, well, we shouldn't have a criminal defense lawyer or a public defender on the Supreme Court. So you're going to open yourself up to attacks of, of you're doing this for, at best, purely political reasons, and at worst, because, you know, for, for racist reasons. Mm-hmm. And so they really don't have and, and, and she's been a, a, she got approved by the Congress just a year ago for an appellate court position. So you'll see some opposition, but but she is going to be confirmed. And, and, and that opposition, as you just said, Barty, is going to be muted. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be good. Uh, something to celebrate about, at least. Uh, we've been speaking with Steve Oak and Senior Advisor McLarty Associates. My man, thank you so much for your time. You take care and stay safe, yeah? Thank you, too. And wishes for the people and prayers for the people in Ukraine. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.